0: Welcome to the Layer 8 Podcast, Season 2. This season, we'll again hear from the experts. These experts are social engineers and open-source intelligence investigators. Sometimes they'll tell us stories about their experiences, and sometimes we'll have some questions for them. We hope you'll enjoy them. For this episode, we welcome social media strategist and two-time DEF CON social engineering Capture the Flag competitor, Stephanie Lahart. Stephanie walks us through the experience, explaining how she got there, how she prepared, and how she felt it went for her. On her website, stephanielehart.com, she has information about her forthcoming book and her course about safe online dating for women. She also explains how and why she does some OSINT before every date. Let's hear from Stephanie.
1: Hi there, and thank you so much for joining me on this edition of the layer eight podcast i was so excited when patrick asked me to be on it uh, because you know what i am so deep in the world of social engineering now that i'm amazed myself if you would have asked me about this three years ago i would have said i don't know what social engineering is what are you talking about Um, and now you're talking to a two time competitor of DEF CON social engineering, capture the flag. It's part of my business. It's part of my life. And it's also made me super good slash creepy at online dating. So with that said, my name is Stephanie Lahart and I am, (laughs) I teach business owners and entrepreneurs and content creators, how to turn their online conversations into real world customers in a nutshell i am a social media marketer using digital marketing skills to help people build their business so i know a fair amount of what it means to be involved in the online world what it means to have a social media profile what it means to have your information out there and for as many as documentaries that are now floating through the net uh, netflix and hulu sphere trying to really educate people what that means it's still shocking to me how much information people don't realize is being um, uh, being uh, colluded without their knowledge and, and utilized in ways that they are not aware of and maybe they don't agree with. So part of my job now in social media marketing is to really teach my clients what it means to have an online presence. So with that said, um, my, my social media marketing job did not lead me into social engineering an actual real life experience did. And what happened was about three years ago going on now, a story was shared with me by a friend. And unfortunately, her mother was a victim of a phishing scam. And phishing, as you know, is voice phishing, where you get phone calls that are um, basically lying to you. They're trying to get you to do or say something or take some action that is fraudulent in some manner. And the phone call that her mom got was like, congratulations, you won Publishers Clearing House, except she didn't. And what happened was a journey of eight months where this woman was on the line on the phone with this scammer. And before her family realized what was going on and able to break the scam, um, she had lost about $170,000, drained of her retirement, you name it. And I come into the story after the scam had been revealed and they were working with the police and my friend is sitting there showing me all of this information that they had credit card statements and all this, because the guy was so crafty, he had convinced her to open up credit cards, send them to him. And then he had all the bills diverted to him and he was using the credit card. So she showed me the credit card statements and I'm like, oh my God, this is terrible. You know, having the reaction anybody would have had really feeling for my friend and her mother. And then I start looking at the information on the credit cards, and I'm like, I know where these places are, because most of them were in Hollywood, which is where I live, specifically in this neighborhood called Silver Lake in Highland Park. And I'm like, wait a minute, I know where these businesses are. And oh my god, this guy kept using them at the same places. I'm like, we could find this guy. Like, he's like a, a, you know, a repeat offender. He's going to the same place for lunch all the time. They got to know who he is, right? I got so excited about the idea of like tracking this guy down. Even as I'm relating the story to you guys, I swear to God, I'm getting goosebumps again. But my friend was adamant. She was like, no, let the police handle this. I have other things to deal with because at that point she was still trying to get all these various credit card companies to actually forgive the credit card debt because he was so clever. Do you know what he did? He paid the minimum balance. He racked the credit cards up to the to the max that he could, drain them for everything he could, but he he wanted to keep getting more. He was a greedy scammer, of course, because you know once they get a little juice, they're gonna keep going. So he kept paying the minimum balance. So what that showed, the credit card was um, that you were in acknowledgement, that somebody was in acknowledgement of these charges, which meant it wasn't fraud. So she had a whole lot to deal with. So I left her, I went home on my way, and I got home and I just kept saying to myself, I bet I could find this guy. I bet I, and I started mapping the addresses I had on Google maps and I just couldn't let it go in my mind. And then I thought to myself, well, how would I track him down? And I sat down one morning and I didn't get up for six weeks and I wrote a book, a 75,000 word book about how I tracked this guy down. And I called it the winning number and I was like, oh my God. This is good. Now it was based on reality, right? It was based on how I would do it. And I did go to these places and I started asking questions and all this, but I didn't, I want to, I want to preface it with saying I did not find the guy and I did not go to the police. Cause I'm like, look, they're dealing with it. And my friend was very adamant I not get involved. But I ended up with this book, this 75,000 word book that I'm like, oh my God. And in the midst of me writing this book, I had never heard the word social engineering. I didn't know what vishing was. But as I'm writing the book and I'm looking things up because I'm like, well, what does that mean? Or if I wanted to go and do that, I started doing research and all of a sudden I became more and more exposed to this world of social engineering. And I'm like, wow, this is like a thing. This is like a big thing. Like people are in this and people are like trying to combat it. and, And the FBI is involved in all of this stuff. And I was like, oh, my God, this this is incredible. And so within my research, I suddenly became aware of this thing called social engineering, capture the flag. So now here's my excitement. I have this book. I think I know everything about social engineering at this point. And as I told Patrick previous to my talking now, I am a professional speaker for my job and boy, do I love to talk. And I heard an interview online with Rachel Toback, who is also a repeat competitor for the competition. And she was on a show on a network called Twit TV. It's uh, TWIT.tv. Leah Laporte, just a pioneer in the online podcasting industry. She was on a show with a woman named Megan Maroney, and they were talking about this competition. And I'm like, wait a minute, there's a competition? I can get on stage and do this in front of people. I'm like, I'm in, sign me up. So I submitted my application and um, for the first application part, you submit the application, they send you confirmation back. You send them $20. You have to pay them $20 PayPal because they want to make sure people are serious. Uh, But if you get accepted to the competition, you get your money back. And then what they do is they, um, you have to send in a video application and they don't really tell you what they're looking for in the video. I had no idea. I start looking online, couldn't find any information about what people had done so i just was actually on my way to a podcast convention where i was speaking at and i filmed a little video in the airport just introducing myself i sent it in and just kind of let it go to the wind and then i waited for to hear back from them for several weeks and i didn't hear anything and it came to the deadline and i was looking on their twitter and it said that they had sent out all of the invites and i didn't get one and i'm like first of all how is that possible have you met me Secondly, I was like, oh, I was so bummed because now it was like, when, what what was the timeline? I guess it was about April. So I had just written the book, you know, through January and February. I'm still so involved. I didn't get accepted to the competition. I'm like, poor me, but I don't give up. So I email them. I'm like, excuse me, but pardon me, but perhaps my invitation got lost in the mail, but what's going on? And they write me back a nice notice. They're like, if you didn't hear by now, you know all the invitations were sent out, you're welcome to apply next year. And I read it and I'm like, I still cannot accept this as a reality because I have a very high opinion of myself. And literally within eight minutes, I get an email back saying, congratulations, you've been selected. And I'm like, well, thank you very much. So there you go. So the next task was now they give you your target company. And the company then is who you are going to do your onset, which is your open source intelligence gathering, meaning anything you can find out online about this company that you can use for what they call their vector flags, which is, you know, their infiltration ways. This is what you are going to now sourcing and start writing a report about. I know as I speak this to you, I sound very authoritative on it. And it sounds I know what the hell I'm talking about. I would like to rewind three years ago. No, it was, yes, three years ago now at this point, two years ago, because it was 2019, right, that I was in it, no, 2018. Back then, I did not know what a vector point was. I did not know what a report looked like. I knew none of these terms. I was just excited to be invited to the party. And they're like, here's your company, find out information on them. I'm like, well, I've been a stalker for years. I don't know what you're calling it, but I can find out shit on anyone. So I start doing my little report, doing my research. I put together what I think is a fine report and I send it in and they're like, congratulations, meet you in Vegas. And I'm like, here we go, right? So that was June, you had to turn it in. Now, the competition is actually in August. As we get closer to the competition date, I start getting cold feet because I'm like, I feel like I have lied to these people I don't know anything about social engineering. I don't know what a pretext is. I don't know what they want on this state. And I started getting cold feet. I was so nervous because I'm like, holy shit, I'm going to this thing. Oh, and by the way, I was going alone. I have no idea what I'm doing. So I started for the first time in life being like, I can't finish this. Now I have to tell you, this is very odd for me because you were talking to a woman who has completed no less than 25 marathons. Yes, I have run 25, marathons that would be I think they were 14 full 11 half so I mean I'm a girl that knows how to commit right but here I was faced with the fact of like I'm going to Vegas to be in this competition I don't really understand this I'm scared as hell I'm like rewinding I'm rewinding I'm like I'm not going I'm not going so I call one of my best friends and I tell her, I'm like, I'm not doing this. I'm just, I'm not. And she's like, you got to be kidding. You've been so excited about this. Why are you not going? And I'm like, look, Vegas is expensive. I don't want to do it. I use every excuse in the book. Also, at that point in my life, my dog, whose name was Lacey, was very elderly. And she was in the last year of her life. And she was having a lot of problems. One of the main problems was she was totally incontinent, which meant I could not give her, like, have her stay with a sitter or a boarding, like, dog boarding kind of thing, because nobody would take an incontinent and dog. And I was like, Look, I can't. Lacey's, you know, she can't be left alone. I'm the only one that can care for her. And my friend says, I will take Lacey because she had watched her before. You have to go. And then I'm like, No, it's so much money. I don't want to do it. And within 24 hours, she called me back. She goes, I met somebody who needs social media call them up right now and within 24 hours i had a contract in my hand that was 1500 dollars that i wasn't expecting so i didn't need to go towards my bills she's like you have the money i have your dog you're getting your ass on that plane And i was like well i guess i am so here i go packing up my little bag going off to the airport and i am nervous as hell and the lift car picks me up and i get in and my driver was the hottest driver I've ever seen in my life. I swear to God. And I'm like, if this isn't a sign and again, the car and it's very early in the morning and he is not interested in talking to me at all, but I'm all like in the back, like hmm, if I ever wanted to talk to a Lyft driver, this is the one, right? He doesn't want to talk to me. Well, he starts saying, why are you going to Vegas? So I start telling him why I'm going about social engineering, the competition. All of a sudden I am the most interesting person in the world to him. Not only does he want to talk to me, but as I'm getting out of the car, he says, here is my number. Call me when you get back to town. I will drive you back. And I'm like, yes, you will. So I'm getting on the plane, confidence boosted, have a hot guy's number in my phone. And I'm like, yeah, I can totally do this. So I show up in Vegas very full of myself and I get to my hotel and I'm like, okay. I literally have no idea how to check into DEF CON. If you have been to DEF CON, you understand the magnitude of it. It is the most gigantic conference you will ever be at. I mean, they had taken over Caesars, they had taken over Paris. You get there and I'm trying to find a map and I'm looking at it, I still have no idea how to even get a ticket to get in this place, honestly. And I'm just like, this is ridiculous. So I'm like, I got there early enough because I am prepared. So I wander over there, I'm desperately trying to find the check-in desk. I can't find it, I'm just like, how is this impossible is this like in a vortex behind like a force shield where it's like invisible walking around can't find it a guy says to me you look lost i said i am i'm trying to get a ticket into defcon he goes just so happens i am a speaker and i had already bought a ticket and i didn't realize they were going to give us a ticket so i have a ticket i said great give it to me he goes oh you can have the ticket sister but you got to pay me for it so another interesting thing about defcon is it is all cash there is no credit card or anything i did have the cash on me because i was expecting to pay at whatever registration deck so i'm in now now it's getting super crazy creepy i meet this guy he's telling me he's a speaker he has a badge i don't know him from adam he could be anybody i'm now handing him money but of course i'm a savvy shopper i'm like i'm not paying you full price because first of all i don't trust you secondly if you got it for free, you're not out any money. So he gives me a break like 50 bucks off. So now I have my my uh, my little uh, covert badge and I have a map and I'm still like, don't know what I'm getting into. I have no idea what I'm going to do. So I end up and then, so the competition starts the next day, okay? But so then I had all night to walk around. Now I'm there by myself. As you can tell by my animated speech, I am very chatty. I am not shy in a crowd. I put on my cute outfits my push-up bra, full makeup. I'm like, I'm in Vegas. I'm going to go make friends. So go out to the parties. And DEF CON is also known for their parties. So I find a couple of different events, a couple of like ones that are like geared towards, you know, women meeting women, which girls, if you're ever at a conference and you're not sure where to start, find one of the women meeting women kind of parties. So you can find what I call your conference buddy, AKA your conference wife which I did. So I go to this party, meet people. And as soon as I started telling people, Hey, I'm here for this competition, everybody's face was always like, Oh my God. Like if you could see the video right now of my face, like they're just in awe, like, wait, you're going to do the social engineering competition. Like, Oh my God, that's so scary. And I'm like, what's so scary about it? Because I still honestly have no idea what I'm getting into. So I'm like, how bad could it be? Right? So I make my friends, I have my posse. They're all interested in going. I said, great, girls, meet me here. We'll all go in together. Now remember, I've never been there before. I have no idea what I'm walking into. If you've been to any social engineering competition before, you know they're usually extremely popular, especially at DEF CON, where the line is literally always down the block and around the corner, right? I roll up to (laughs) to the room the next day, The line is down the block around the corner out the conference. And I'm like, uh, well, I'm in the competition. So I'm pretty sure I'm supposed to just go right up there. My girl crew is waiting for me. I roll up there. I said, I'm in the competition. They're like, okay, go in. And they're like, no, only you, they have to wait in line. I said, no, this is my entourage. They have to come with me. So I start immediately social engineering, the social engineering village. And guess what? It worked. They're like, fine, let them all in. So me and my posse of five people now get in. The line is looking at us. And I'm just like, no photos, please. I'm Beyonce. (laughs) So I get into this room now. And it's a huge room. I think at that point, we were in a room, they had taken up double space. So there was, um, I think the occupancy was like 600 or 700 people. And I get in the room, and I'm looking around, they have this stage on the on the um i'm sorry this booth on the stage chris had uh, had maggie is up there and i'm like oh shit what did i just do and chris looks over and he just greets me with this big grin hey how you doing i'm like so now it's showtime and i turn around hello i'm stephanie and i introduce myself he's like oh great i get a picture with him i get inside the booth to get to the feeling of it and i'm like all right i can do this and I hear some people talking about scripts and things like that. And it turned out a couple of people were there that were also in the competition. So I start talking to them and this is where it got scary for me. All of a sudden they start telling me about all the recon they've done, all the information they've gathered. Uh, they, they're come, One girl came in with a binder of information. I literally had a post-it note of phone numbers to give them. I'm like, Oh, I messed up. I literally should not be in this competition. I gotta get out of this. But then, because I am truly blessed, I find out I am not number one, I am not number two. I am the last person to compete. I'm like, yes, because now I have a strategy. I'm gonna sit my little ass in that room and I'm gonna listen to everybody before me and I'm gonna figure out what I'm supposed to be doing. Because honestly, up until this point, I didn't know. I really didn't know what was expected of me. So what I did, was I planted myself in that room and I heard everybody go through. And the more I heard, I took notes each and night. I went home, I started writing my script. I'm like, I get it, I get what I have to do. So for the challenge, what you are doing is you are getting on stage, you are calling a Fortune 500 company and you're supposed to get them to reveal certain information to you on the phone. And it's based on their whole flag system. And it's things like finding out security systems they use or things like, you know, when their payroll is, and all of that information can seem just singularly like really not interesting, but when you put together, if you were someone trying to infiltrate a company, as you know, it could be used as what they call an attack vector, something to actually compromise the company. All of this is literally coming together for me the night before I am getting on stage in front of 600 people. And I'm like, well, there is no time like learning at the last minute. I go home and I am typing. I am setting up web pages. I have a whole idea in my mind. I'm like, okay, this is gonna be my idea because then at that point I realized, all right, I have to go in with a persona. No problem at all. I am so used to like just, you know, being able to turn it on and off. And I decide I'm going to call up as a HR person. And I'm going to tell these employees that we have a program, this employee incentive program, and I need them to do all the stuff to make sure that they are going to be eligible for it so the night before i also set up a web page that i'm going to have them go to which by the way i didn't mention this in the beginning i come from the world of uh, web development i before i was a social media marketer i had actually been a web developer so for me to throw up a web page on the fly no problem i do that the night before too because i'm like great i'll have them go to this web page it'll be all part of my talk it'll be great so i do that i have my notes I go the next day. And again, I'm going to be last on that day. And it was back when they were still doing the Saturdays. So they would do a um, half of the contestants go on Friday and then the other half go on Saturday. So now here I am thinking to myself, well, I'm trying to call somewhere on a Saturday. What are my chances of getting through to people? I'm going to try and wing it. And that year, um, our topic or our our target industry was um, uh, transportation. So my particular company, and I can say it now, was Enterprise Rent-A-Car. So I had to call up Enterprise and try and get this information. Well, on Saturday, their corporate offices aren't open. So my only way in is to call one of the rental car agencies. Here's where it gets super tricky. We are in Vegas, we are in a specific time zone. I am the last caller, the very last caller, which means I'm not getting on stage till like 11 o'clock. Guess what happens to rental car agencies at 11 o'clock on a Saturday? They're closed. I have no corporate office. I have a number list that is dwindling as the minutes scroll by. I literally had five numbers in Hawaii that I could call. That's it. That is all I could call that would be open. Cause I literally had to go back in time. I'm like, rental car agencies are closed. So I have to go back in time. Who's open. Hawaii's behind us. They're the only thing that's open. This is in my mind and I'm looking at the clock thinking you people better talk faster because if they close, I'm literally screwed. I have no one else to call. But again, angels on my shoulder. I'm going to get in. I'm going to make it. I'm going to somehow make these phone calls happen. Right. So what I did was I get all of my enthusiasm up, all of my courage. They call my name. I get up on stage. And um, again, I'm used to being on stage. So as soon as I got on stage, I'm telling you, I relaxed because if you put a microphone in front of me, it's like I was born for it. I'm like, oh wait, this microphone, let me tell you a story. So I get up them and I give them what I call the Stephanie show. I mean, I'm just animated, I'm friendly, I'm fun. They love the show. They don't even wanna hear the call at this point. Chris is like, literally like Stephanie, you gotta get in the booth. Like we gotta get this show on the road. I look at my watch and I'm like, oh great. I literally have like 20 minutes for this call and that's all I had. They were about to close the last office in Hawaii. One office I had to call at this point. This is not a joke. I get in the booth, we start the call and I'm just like, okay, let's do this. But I'm more relaxed when I'm being kind of like more of a ham, so I'm they're taking the calls and I decide I'm gonna play with the audience. So here I am, they have a little window in the box and i can see the audience and i've made friends out there so i start like doing like you know signs to them and making faces and all this and the whole time the phone's ringing and it's like my brain took over a separate Like just went in a separate direction so my mouth is saying one thing on the phone but my face and my my other side of my brain is playing with the audience and i have to tell you it was the best thing ever because i know a lot of people can do that where they're actually like watching like a tv program but they're programming i went into that space so i'm actually having this phone call the same time as i'm playing with the audience so i was super relaxed so i get on the phone call and i have to tell you it was flawless it was absolutely flawless I was getting like flag after flag, information after information. I was laughing. The girl on the phone loved me. I was having the time of my life. I couldn't believe how great it was going. I mean, I'm checking off flags on my list. I get down to the end. I realize I still have three minutes left, but I'm done. I don't need anything else from this person. I'm like feeling good. So the end of that call, Chris goes, do you want to call another number? And I'm like, No, but can we call my mom? Because she will think this is hysterical. And now Chris and the audience are laughing. I'm like, seriously, I might call my mom from the booth. They're like, no, can't do that. I'm like, I'm done. Let's get this show on the road. So what happened in the call is this. I was going to have this employee go to a specific webpage. So my my, uh, persona was that I was from HR. And I think my name was... I think I called myself Barbara or something like that. It was a very HR name. So I had her go to this webpage, but it was just the front. You could, there was no interactivity on it. So she was trying to move around on the webpage. Nothing worked. And then that allowed me to draw her back into my script and be like, oh my God, this page isn't working, but this is the last day that you guys can sign up for this incentive program. I'm going to talk you through it. Um, let's, just do, let's just do it over the phone. And what happened is, I was trying to act like, oh, you should have gotten this PDF. She didn't get the PDFs, and then we were able to start the whole conversation of like, oh, there's all these other problems in your system. So it pretty much worked flawless. And the web page is up there. People in the audience, of course, looking at the web page, laughing their asses off, knowing it's a dummy page, and that was the end of that. So I wanted to mention that because that having that additional little uh, prop prop of the webpage was really key in having this person believe me so heavily from the beginning, right? So the call is over and I am just like, wow, that was super fun. I want to do it again. I'm all hopped up on adrenaline. And then you have to wait 24 hours to find out who won. But I'm like, well, that was fun. I don't care. I'm moving on with my life. I get off stage and I'm like a celebrity. Everybody wants to talk to me. Everybody, including this very, well, I would say nicely dressed, because I'm not going to say like he was in a suit, but he was put together for a DEF CON kind of conference. He was a tall guy, probably six feet tall, relatively good looking. And he waited to the side until people were done talking to me. And they came up and gave me his card. And he said, I work in security for enterprise, and I would like to talk to you. And I was like, am i gonna get in trouble and i'm like literally looking around for chris because now i think i'm going to get arrested or something because he just heard me totally lie to these employees and now everybody's gone and i'm like uh he goes no it's fine i just i'm really interested in talking to you and hear how you did this and everything and i gave him my number and i'm like okay so now i have a business card i have his phone number um i have all its information so you can be sure as soon as that guy walked away i totally like Open sourced him because I'm like, let me make sure this guy is real, right? Sure enough, he was. After I got back to LA, I did follow up with, called him. He had given me his personal cell phone number. So, I, of course, I immediately called that and left him a message. And I didn't hear back from him for like a week. And at that point, I was super interested in talking to him because um, when we had talked briefly that day, I said, I would love to come to Enterprise and give a presentation to your team and talk to you guys about how to be safer or if I can add any to the security that you're doing. Like again, because Social Engineering Village is so big on making sure that you know you leave people better for having met you, I truly wanted to be of service to these people. I didn't want to be there to you know mock them or make fun of them or anyway or show them how cool I was. I was honestly interested in like sharing my report and saying, this is what I found, this is what you should be doing. Um, so I followed up with him and after a week, I didn't hear from him and I was like, Oh, well, that's kind of a bummer. So I called him again and he picked up this time and he said one sentence to me, I got your phone call. I appreciate you calling. I cannot talk to you. And it was like that. And I said, Oh, like you don't have time right now. And it was very dry and kind of cold. I'm sorry. Thank you for the information. I cannot talk to you. And he hung up and that was it. And I was like, Oh, what just happened? And then within about 24 hours, I got a notice from my um, hosting URL registrar because when I set up the fake page, I set up a fake URL. Suddenly my URL was gone. It had been rescinded from me with no explanation other than I had violated some terms of service or something, but no explanation, no saying who did it. Web page was gone, my, um, the url was gone and nothing just crickets and then i started to get nervous because then i was like am i going to get in trouble like i really thought i was going to get like a knock at the door from the police or something because now it's like well they clearly have their legal team involved and i contacted like you know uh chris and the crew i'm like am i in trouble he goes nope it's totally fine didn't do anything wrong everything's above the board um and that was the end of it i never heard anything from them again um, no follow-up, but I did have to say I was getting a little sweat under the armpits because I was like, I think I might be in trouble. I didn't want to be in trouble, I just wanted to be on stage. So I'm kind of riding that high of thinking I'm very awesome and I'm thinking I got this com- you know, contest won. It's gonna be great, no problem, whatever, whatever. And I go out to the nighttime parties, and as you're having normal conversations, people are like, you know, hey, what do you do? I say, I'm here for the social engineering competition. And I have to tell you, talk about um, a date killer. <laughs> it's, I have a, a cousin who's a lawyer. And when we were in our clubbing days, when we would go out, she would never tell people she was a lawyer because it would literally shut the conversation down. She would tell guys she was a stripper. They wanted to hear all about it. I have to tell you, telling guys at DEF CON that you competed in the social engineering capture the flag competition, they immediately are like, I do not want to talk to you. Uh, you're not getting my they don't want anything to do with you which of course makes me work harder because i'm like oh now you don't want to give me information excuse me i'm a very cute little five foot two girl yes yes you will be talking to me so then that made my night even more fun because now i was on a mission you don't think I can social engineer you, let me show you how I'm gonna social engineer you as I'm telling you I'm not social engineer you. So it just really made my entire experience at DEF CON just so memorable and special. I have to tell you, I didn't go to one like seminar or workshop or anything, I wasn't there for that. I was there to meet people. And it was just one of those things that was like so much fun. So the next morning I wake up, the high is gone. I'm like, well, I'm in Vegas. I really got to get back to my real life. But at that point, their award ceremony wasn't going to be until uh, the very last day. So now I had a whole nother day to go through. And I'm like, well, I'm here. I might as well play. So I would met some friends. I had a good time. But I was definitely ready to get back to my own life because although social engineering was fun for me at that point, it was not my job what i ended up doing was just you know hanging out with people and figuring i will stay until they announce the winner and then i'm literally getting on my plane and leaving and what ended up happening was i did not win the competition in fact i have to say i wasn't close and it wasn't because of my phone call and what i found out from chris later and i got him on video saying I ended up having the second highest call score. And that year was the year that Whitney won. She won, she was spectacular on the phone, but I had only come in a couple of points under her for the phone portion of it. However, your entire um, your entire score was based on your written, your written, uh, what do you call it? Project package that you had to do beforehand, as well as the call score. And here is where I failed because I did not realize what a true social engineering report needed to be i didn't understand honestly the information that they were looking for my report was so shitty so shitty that i was second highest call and also almost the lowest score for the report so here i am, totally failed on the report but totally killed my call so there was no middle ground i mean I like i said i'm very full of myself in my head i'm still like i should have won and chris was like you need a better report system sister try again next year so i was like you know what i will try again next year because it's been a great experience anyway so whitney won she was amazing i went back to my real life and i was like wow I have so much knowledge now about social engineering. I need to share this with people. I not only need to share it with my clients to make their businesses more secure, because I have to tell you, I was one of the people back in the days of early streaming when Meerkat first came along and Periscope was, Periscope was all new and fancy and everybody wanted to do it. I'm telling my clients right and left, hey, get on a video, don't worry, do this. I mean, I was, I was telling them bad shit. Uh, because I didn't know at that point. And so suddenly I had a totally different view. I was like, "Huh, don't let your employees do this. Don't film from your office. And here's why. So I started putting together trainings for businesses about how to have a presence on social media, but have a very secure presence. And that became a portion of my business that, like I said, I had no idea this is what was missing for my clients. It wasn't so much like, Hey, promote yourself on social media. It was like, Hey, also be aware of there are people out there that's going to utilize this information against you. And here's how you protect yourself. So I have to say the whole experience was not only beneficial to me because I got the experience and I learned personally how to be more secure, but it's now something that I've been able to train people about what's going on. And like I mentioned earlier, it was like, you know, you hear about these documentaries like Hulu um and and uh what's the other one? So on Netflix. Um, and people think they're getting informed and think that they know, but they such a top level information about how you really need to stay protected because I am of like the full thought now that there is no security. But if you understand that, like there's no privacy, but if you understand that now you can protect yourself even better. Like if you understand all of your personal information is out there, you can protect yourself better. So if you're getting calls, you're getting emails, understand, that it's not just, oh, laws of the universe, this person was brought into my life because they happen to know this too. It's because they've probably found something out about you online. So if you understand that, you can protect yourself better. And this also goes in regards to online dating. So for any people that are out there online dating, you know, out in the world, no matter what age you are, because, you know, we're all in different aspects of our life, you have to really be aware of just how much information can be sourced about you, even if you're using a dating app and you think I'm only putting my first name or putting a couple of photographs, how much of that information can be used to actually then find out who you really are and find out more information about you. Now, the interesting thing is in the dating world, there's two different things that happen for girls. What we do is we get the scammers that come in. And especially if you're in the age range of 40 and over, you're getting the guys that are looking to, you know, start hitting your investments and your money and things like that. Because the thought is if you've reached that that level in your life and you have a career, you probably have a certain amount of money saved or a certain amount of access to money, which is true at that point. So women kind of get a different scam. They get the guys that are coming in looking for We'll call it the pay date, right? On the guy's side, here's the different part. Guys are dealing with the girls that are coming in as what we'll just call the gold diggers, looking for the sugar daddies, looking for all of that, um, you know, because they're trying to take, you know, get a guy to basically support them or give them money, you know, fall for some kind of story. But it works the same way. It still is about I can take a photo of you, I can take a little bit of information about you, some of your likes, maybe the area that you live in, and I could put together a whole dossier of who you are. And what that can lead you to do and what has led me to do my online dating life is suddenly I know enough about you that I can really guide that conversation. And and Patrick, I mentioned this earlier about my online dating life. He's like, let me guess. That's what you do. I'm like, that's exactly what I do. I find out enough about him and then I can guide the conversation. Oh, you're into that. I'm into that too, which, you know, in, in um, a very real and kind of authentic way, you could be like, well, that's great. I am into that. And now I have a bonding situation with this person, but it could also be, well, I'm not really into that, but I'm going to lead you to believe that because, you know, for whatever reasons, I want to try and like get closer to you personally. So, you know, and for me, what it's allowed me to do is um, I use my online dating life as a way to actually um, really buff, uh, like buffer up and improve my social engineering skills. It's true, because you know there's just a lot of people out there that I would not date, but I'm like, you know what? Let me see how much of a conversation I can get going with this person. Let me see how far I could take it. Now, I did learn something very valuable and very true, and I'm gonna say one of the best things that Chris, and actually the whole social engineering Capture the Fly community is really um, a proponent of is that people should leave a conversation better for for having met you so when i'm talking about you know learning things about people and utilizing my dating conversations in order to buffer up my skills it's never in a malicious way i'm truly like trying to figure out like where, where are the, the points where people kind of check in and out of conversations? Not only does it help me to be more secure personally, but again, I take this information and I utilize it to help my clients to be more secure. So I've actually put together online dating courses for women to be like, hey, this is what you need to know. Like if you're going to do online dating, get a burner number. And what my usual rule is, um, do maybe a maximum of three texts with the person within the dating app. And I'm sure all the dating apps would be like after me right now saying, hey, you're against terms and services. But what I do is I'll have three conversations. I will give this person my burner phone. And what will happen is they will text me. And then once with their phone number, that's the keys to the kingdom. Because most people do not understand how much of their life is simply tied to their mobile phone. Think about it. Your bank is always like, make your account more secure. We'll send you a code on your phone. Everybody wants you to use your phone as verification for who you are. This is a bad plan. This is not this is like back in the day where suddenly everybody's using their social security number for everything. And now we're all like, that's the worst thing ever. The worst thing you can do is to use your phone number as a security measure to validate who you are. And anybody who's in the infosec world right now will agree with me. This is not authentication factor that you want to tie to yourself. Um, And then as they're coming along with things like, oh, we'll we'll have like, you know, uh, voice authentication and, and fingerprints, there's still ways around that. The only thing that keeps you truly safe is to understand and accept all information about you is out there and to temper every conversation and interaction with people that you have Um, Whether it be something that was initiated by you or not, that understanding that you have to do your due diligence, whether it is in online dating before you meet somebody or whether it is getting into some kind of business relationship with someone to make sure that the information that is being presented to you is true and that you are not being scammed because it's easier to be scammed than, you know, I'm going to hold myself up for this as I was going through this whole infosec thing and getting very high on my horse that I know everything about social engineering. I got social engineered and hits this is how it went down. I got an email that was addressed to my mother. Now, of course, because I am also like Uber like web development girl, I have owned my own name URLs like since the beginning of time, which means I was one of those people that set up email for my entire family using our last name. And my mom used it for everything. So I get an email that's directed to her, but they've misspelled her name. So any misspellings in an email address, I'm the catch-all, so I get them but it's coming from a um, insurance company saying you didn't pay your insurance premium. Now, I don't think my mom's ever gonna to listen to this podcast and I'm not in any way speaking badly of her, but she's of an older generation. So I naturally assumed the error was on my mother's part that she had not paid her premium when she should have. And that additionally, they had the wrong email address because she put the wrong email address in when she set up her account. So I forward it to my mom thinking, I am such a good daughter. Look at me. I'm saving my parents. I know everything about everything. I'm like, mom, pay your premium. She calls me up 10 minutes later. Oh, no, she emailed me back first. She emails me back. Ha, ha, ha. And I'm like, that's not a response, mom. Pay your friggin' premium. What the hell's wrong with you? And she just doesn't respond to me. So I call her up 10 minutes later. I'm like, mom, do you not realize what is happening here? She's like, I don't even have an insurance claim with these people. They're not even my company. I've never even heard of them. What the hell are you talking about? And then I realized going back and looking at the information on the email, it was a phishing thing. Oh yeah, me the social engineering expert, all down on my mom, acting like my mom's old. She doesn't understand the technical age. Yep. All my fault, I was about to make this woman give them her bank account information. Mea culpa, also proving for as much as you think you know, your mom probably still does know more and you still have to be careful because I thought I knew everything and then my mom's like, I don't don't even deal with that insurance company, so check yourself, sister. And that was my lesson to be learned. Um, And again, something that I now say, okay, I have learned my lesson so since you've been with me this long you get the payoff of my whole story you remember this whole thing started with a phone call that my friend's mother got and then i became obsessed with the idea and i wrote a book right when i got on stage at defcon oh and by the way i did go back to defcon the next year and compete it and um my report was not great again and my phone call was like not as as I mean, it was pretty damn good, but I will say the second year was harder because our industry was the tobacco liquor and firearms. And let me tell you, these people were on game. They were not playing. It was, and anybody who was in the competition that year or saw it, saw how hard it was for anybody to get points because it was like, these people were locked down. They're like, I'm not giving you that information. I don't know what you're talking about. In fact, the only thing that happened on my call that people were really like, wow, you really did something great was because I did get a woman on the call who at several times had said to me, I'm not giving you this information. I don't think I should be talking to you, but I was able to keep her on the phone for like seven minutes. So, I mean, that was skill in itself, not enough to save me in the competition. I didn't win that year either. That, of course, was Elise Dennis, who you guys have already heard about. She was on a previous podcast. If you haven't heard Churchill, you have to hear her whole journey of how she got into it. She won. She was amazing that year. Um, So after all this is said and done, I told everybody I wrote this book and everybody said, where's the book? I'm like, well, I haven't published it yet. And then um, COVID happened and DEF CON didn't happen and all momentum in the world died. And here I am sitting on a book never published. Uh, The world is shutting down. There is no DEF CON. And I actually got contacted by a company called Publicizer, which is a online book crowdsourcing company. platform so think exactly like you know one of the uh crowdfunding things but it's for books and they had contacted me because they found me through linkedin and they said hey we're looking for people that would write books specifically on social media for business would you be interested in writing this book because we think you would have a great audience and i said oh yeah i would definitely do that book oh by the way i also wrote this book what do you think about this and they're like wait you have a completed book about social engineering can we please have that book now? So I ended up putting that book on Publicizer first, and Publicizer people were in love with it, and they're like, "You're going to have a great audience with this." And my campaign was very successful. Uh, we got funded, and I got interest of publishers, and the book will finally be published in summer. Twenty, 20- I'm going to, oh, I want to say 2021 because I want it to happen this year. Um, so let's just say that. But now I actually have a publisher for my book. It's being edited, and again, let's go back to the beginning. It all started with one phone call and um, that's how I got into all this. So if you're interested in reading the book, just go to my website, which is stephanielahart.com and it is Stephanie with an F. But if you misspell it with a PH, it'll still go to me because like I said, I own all the URLs. So Stephanie S T E F A N I E lahart, L A H A R T.com. And you'll get the information on when you can buy the book because There, since since going to DEF CON, I did go back to the original manuscript. I added a whole section about what happened about competing at DEF CON, added all that in. Remember, it is fiction. So if somebody dies in the book, nobody died at DEF CON. I'm just preempting that. Nobody actually died at DEF CON. They might have died in my book. But that's the story. Um, It was very exciting. And I can't wait until all of the conventions are open back up because I plan to be in all of the social media competitions because now i can say i actually know what a pretext is
0: thank you for listening to the layer 8 podcast you can find out more information about us at layer8conference.com and find more podcast episodes on many of your favorite platforms we hope you enjoy these episodes as much as we enjoyed making